electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thanks. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, what really is riding on today's Apple event and whether a sell on the news reaction could be a catalyst for a broader correction. We'll discuss and debate that with our investment committee. Joining me for the hour today is Stephanie Link, Degas Wright, Joe Terranova, Pete Nigerian, the co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Let's take a look at the markets. What was a nice gain is no more. Even after that better-than-expected read on inflation, there you go. Dow's down 170. It's been down by more than 200. S&P down five. Nasdaq's getting a bit of a lift by one quarter of one percent. Did have those comments from Comcast today, our parent company, uh, at an event about a bit of a slowdown, they say, in cable net ads at the end of August. Eh, Some media stocks were down on that news. But we are focused on the bigger picture, and that is Apple today, Pete. It is your largest position. The stock has run 15 percent in the last three months. Sometimes there's a sell on the news in these type things, and we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen today? New iPhones, new watches, AirPods, et cetera. What are you looking for? Well, I think all of that's great and, and looking forward to seeing all the greatest, latest things that Apple has come up with. But I don't think there's anything earth-shattering that's going to be in here. If there is, then obviously that's going to be something that's going to be an incredible catalyst. I don't expect to see that, though. I was listening to John Fort and the gang. It doesn't sound like they are either. It sounds like there are some great products they're bringing out there, some high end, and obviously looking for people to maybe pay that extra high end. Maybe there's less volume. But I think the reality is, if, if that is the case, we probably do see a bit of a sell-off, Scott. As you know, I, I'm not hoping for that, but I certainly am, am expecting that there will be because that's kind of been the mode of what we have seen over the years at these kind of events. If there's something earth-shattering and something unbelievable, yes, the excitement level gets very, very high. But that's something that I think we're going to have to, whoops, sorry about that, we're mm-hmm. going to have to wait and see. I don't expect it, though, right now. Okay. All right. So, Joe, let's assume that Pete is right and you get a sell-off in, in Apple shares. What I wonder is if that becomes the catalyst, the long-awaited catalyst for the long-awaited correction that some people continue to call for. And the one thing that's been keeping it from happening is the fact that the FANG Plus stocks don't go down. They may go down for a couple of days, but they haven't gone down. And if Apple starts to go down on the other side of today's announcements, that's not going to be good. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're answering your own question. You know that. You go back to the summer of 2018, Scott. Facebook had an awful earnings announcement. It went down 7%. It peaked along with Alphabet at the time, along with Netflix. And you've got the fall correction of over 20% because the five big mega cap technology stocks were not left standing. So today, if you do get a post uh, announcement sell off from Apple that on a sustained basis builds momentum, you have currently four of the five mega cap technology stocks at or near their all-time highs. I cannot see a larger correction 
unfolding a double-digit type correction without those mega cap technology stocks rolling over. Right. So Apple could potentially init Apple could potentially initiate that. It could roll into Amazon. It could roll into the other stocks. But let's be clear, Scott. To date, the evidence doesn't support that. The evidence says that they are actually acting in a very resilient way. I, I agree. I mean, they have been viewed in many respects as defensive stocks. So even as, you know, 100%. The, the narrative has been in question over the last, you know, few weeks, those stocks have largely held up. Over the last three months, I told you what Apple's done, 15%. Microsoft is 15 and a half. Google is 16. Give you an idea of what we're talking about here. Facebook is up 12. Amazon's been the laggard up two and a half. But the stocks, Degas, have held up. You bought more Apple coming into the event, which is an interesting position to be in, considering what history has told us has happened to Apple stock on the other side. Why buy going in? Hey, Scott, we're long-term investors. So what we really like is the profitability that we see in Apple. We like the valuation. At these levels, this is a fair valuation for Apple. And then the expectations, the subscriptions, they have subscriptions of over 700 million. And then you have the adoption of the Apple Pay and then Apple Music. The business model is intact for Apple, and we see this company going higher. It may have a slight pullback uh, after today, but we're really long-term investors, and we see a lot of value in Apple. The reason why I ask you the question is uh, I, I could see you saying, you know, if history's right and maybe the stock does trade off on the news, we'd be jumping in, you know, two, in two seconds to buy more. The fact that you're doing it before the event itself reveals a certain level of conviction that you have. And sure, you're, you're a longer-term investor. I'm going to say that the majority, I would think, of, of Apple investors are in that camp as well. Do you feel uh, nervous in any way going into today's event? Scott, we don't, we're not feeling nervous at all because, once again, we're looking at the business model. And this event has not had a negative impact on the business model. Uh, and so we're very confident in our positioning. All right. Spoken like a true military man, level-headed going in, not too high, not too low, just going to see what happens, and he'll, he'll deal with uh, whatever happens on the other side of that. I, I got you, Degas. Uh, Stephanie Link, if there's one person who is bullish but maybe less than the others, I would say it's you. You have a market weight position. You're not, you know, dying to buy more Apple. Am I right? Yes, you are right. Now, look, it's 6% of the S&P 500 in the bench, right? So I think if the stock pulls back, it could hurt psychology, but not enough for the entire market, number one. Number two, I don't think you're going to see a crash in Apple because they're buying $90 billion of their stock back, right? But all that being said, they have amazing products, but I just don't think the iPhone 13 or whatever it's going to be called or the watches are really going to surprise to the upside. I don't think it's going to be a super cycle. And I'm also a little bit concerned that the apps business is slowing. So I have a market weight. It's 6% of my portfolio. I don't want to go over my skis given the concerns that I have. And oh, by the way, 76% of the sales side likes this thing. Everybody owns this. I don't know who the incremental buyer is other than Dekas, but good for him. I just don't think you're going to... See a rush to see a buying in the name. Now, if it were to pull back substantially, I definitely would take a look again. I've been overweight the name, but right now I think it's prudent to be market weight. So let, let me let me take issue, I guess, with with one part of, of what you said. When you you said if you mm -hmm. think you think even if Apple sells off, 
it's not going to hurt the entire market. You look below the surface, though, Steph. You've had a rolling correction throughout a large part of the market, except for the fangs. So if you have a foundation that has been weakening and then you have some of the top start to weaken, doesn't that fly in the face of your argument? Well, if Apple sells off, I don't know if that translates into all of Fang selling off. Facebook's fundamentals are quite good. Google Alphabet is on fire. They're hitting on all cylinders. I love Amazon. I'm market weight Amazon. Looking for a chance to buy that. Microsoft is the one that I think is very expensive and over owned. 91% of the sales side have buys on it. By the way, back to Amazon, 100% of the sales side have buys on it. But I don't think the Apple story will impact the rest of Fang. If it does, well, sure then you could see a correction in the market. But I think Apple specifically is not big enough to take down the other fangs. Yeah, I just wonder what sentiment will be if, you know, Apple starts to go down and then you see some selling in these other stocks. By the way, not everybody, hard to believe, um, is bullish on Apple coming in. Goldman, they reiterate today, neutral, $140 is the price target. They don't expect major pricing changes they see. Uh, with the iPhone and the watch pricing is the most interesting financial takeaways from the event. We'll see what happens there, Pete. Um, I just wonder what you think about what Steph said. The risk. We're trying to assess the risk. No one's suggesting that, you know, Mm -hmm. Apple's guaranteed to sell off after the event. We don't even know exactly what what they're going to deliver today. Um, And no one's clear on whether it does spread into the other stocks. I'm just curious as to your perspective based on what Stephanie Link said, that even if Apple does sell off on the other side, it's not necessarily bad for the overall market. Well, uh, from my perspective, though, I think the buyers generally, uh, and that's why we've, you know, we've got this Fang name, right? And, and it seems to be that the, the buyers of Apple seem to be the same types of people or, or funds that want to mm-hmm. be involved with Microsoft and Facebook and Amazon and all that. So um, that's where I might push back a little bit on Steph because, and normally she and I are on the same page, but I just think that if there were something, and I don't look for something, by the way, Scott, that, that's catastrophic. I'm not looking for Apple to make some sort of incredible push to the downside. No, it, it doesn't it have to be. It just has moved lower. Right? It Do- right, doesn't right. have to be. Okay. It literally yeah. could just be a, a change in sentiment on where the stock is going to go mm-hmm. f- from here after, mm-hmm. as I said, is a 15% run over the last three months. It's the last place in right. the market, I would think, that if you're bullish, you would want to see a rollover. That being the fangs, Apple, biggest stock in the market, and others, when you already have a rolling correction beneath the surface. It'd be a different story altogether if we were at a, you know, equilibrium, if you will, of strength, but we're not. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. I think that the reality of it is that they are similar buyers, though, of all these different names. But I'm not expecting, as I said, I'm not expecting to see Apple go down substantially. I could see it pull back. We just had a pullback just the other day of about 3% on the, on the legal news that they had. And, and actually, they kind of came back from that okay. I mean, they got back about 1% or whatever the next day, yesterday. But I think the reality is we see something fairly significant moving in Apple to the downside, which I'm not projecting. I'm just saying that it normally does sell off a little bit after earnings. If there's something more, I think that does drag Fang. And if it drags Fang, that's going to have a huge impact on the S&P, of course. So I think that that's, that's that whole churning that we're, or, or that we're looking at is 
how far does Apple pull back? I, I'm expecting a pullback. I'm just not expecting a quote-unquote sell-off, Scott. So, and as a matter of fact, I'm, on that pullback, I would be looking to be a buyer. That's the other thing that I would say when I look at Apple. I view it a little bit differently than Steph from the standpoint of the valuation, and only because very much like Microsoft, it's, get, it's a different company than it was two, three, four, five years ago. And because it's a different company and, and how they're making their revenue, and Apple has gone away from it being just the iPhone. Basically, it was just the iPhone. Well, now it's a whole lot more, right? And we've got the much bigger margin side of things when you're talking about wearables, you're talking about services and all the rest. So I, that's why I view this as, you know what, it's trading at the lo- what, upper 20s PE on the forward, maybe even lower 30s when you're looking at something like a Microsoft. But I think those two, those two companies, are much different companies than they once were, even just as recently as maybe two, three years ago. I hear you, but you know, let, let's also <laughs> say this, Joe: the fact that you had, you know, I know that Apple won the majority of the rulings against Epic, but the one they didn't was the most significant. You could make the argument. So, if even a sliver of the App Store model is going to change. Let's factor that into the overall conversation, too, about what the ultimate reaction is going to be from from the company's financial standpoint, even as, the, you know, Pete's favorite analyst, Katie Huberty, is out in the last week or so saying we don't think it's going to be that material to to the bottom line. You do have some level of negativity coming into the event as a result of that ruling. Absolutely. I, I would completely agree with that. And listen, of the mega cap technology stocks, Apple's up, I think, somewhere around 12 percent year to date, which is underperforming the S&P. And where would they be without that 90 billion dollar stock re- repurchase plan that Stephanie spoke about? So I'm not I'm not most excited about Apple when I'm measuring it against a lot of the other mega cap technology names. And I'll tell you this, Scott, talking about that Goldman Sachs note, there's one thing in that note that bothers me. And please, if you're Apple, don't go there. The installment plan sounds a lot to me like buy now, pay later. Really? You're Apple. You're the restaurant that everyone wants to get into, and you you only take cash. You don't take credit cards. I don't want Apple going down that road. To me, that's problematic in the future. It creates the concern about credit condition being extended to your customers. I don't want Apple at all uh, thinking about buy now, pay later. The other thing I suggest too, Steph, is you know you already are at a point of contention in the market. There's tension in the market. You can't even hold on to a nice gain from a better than expected print in in CPI. And I don't know what that tells you about where the overall market is. Again, you know, a foundation with some cracks in it, so it's not going to take much to for sort of fall through the floor. I'm not suggesting by any means by saying that a big downdraft, but you already have some tension there. Yeah, you have tension and you have seasonality a week, month in September. So expect volatility. I've been saying that for a couple of weeks now. Um, One of the main reasons we've seen a defensive market and a return to growth since May is because of Delta and the concerns there. If we are peaking in Delta, and the numbers suggest at least kind of stabilizing, right, then that means that growth can stay, the economic growth can stay above trend. And then you have the reopen names like will outperform, the cyclicals will outperform, and you might see a rotation out of defensive growth, secular growth. But this is why we've talked all along about having 
a little bit of both. Having uh, economically sensitive companies, because we will stay above trend for the next, I think, year or so, we are going to see more inflation. And I would argue those inflation numbers today are misleading. Right. CPI is up 5.3 percent year over year. Core is up 4.7 percent uh, year over year. Those are big numbers. And we haven't even seen rental increases just yet. And wages are going up. So I think you have above uh, average growth in the economy. You have more inflation. That's why you want to own some cyclicals, some reopen. But at the same time, if Apple were to fall 10 percent, you want to buy that. So that's why I have this barbell and I, I'm consistent on that. That's why, Dicus, I mean, I just want to throw it out. You could make the case in some respects that today is not an Apple story. It's a market story because there's a lot riding on on today beyond just what Apple tells you. They have their sexy new phone and their different watch and their AirPods and whatever else they say with that streaming sort of code that they come out with. And if there's one more big thing or whatever it is, uh, and we're going to be all over it. There it is. One o'clock Eastern. The exchange is going to be covering that. So we're 45, 44 minutes away. Um, Digas. Yeah, so ultimately, you're absolutely right. It's, t- it's more about the market sentiment. And I will actually move it away from Apple and look at some other things that may be driving the capital markets and may add uncertainty to it, such as the debt ceiling uh, debate that's going to be going on, uh, the tax policy that could have an impact on the markets. Uh, and and uh, as Steph mentioned, the Delta variant, it looks like the seven-day moving average of cases are starting to move down now, which is could be positive for the market, but that's still a question mark out there. So I, I actually see this market sentiment not so much focused only on Apple, but on some, very, some other factors that could impact the markets. Yeah, I, I, I said uh, earlier on Twitter that Jim Cramer should just, just come out. And he did. Cramer's here. There he is. <laughs> well, you know, I, love I felt like it was only fitting that you became part of the mix today. I mean, we, we have you from time to time with very much the same core group. So I, I wanted to hear your thoughts. Well, I love this core group. And I, I what prompted me to come out is, is that I think that you said it best, Scott. It's a rolling correction. And yet I find a lot of people are thinking, look, it's a really interesting, good market. And I don't think there's anything good about it, but I don't think there's anything bad about it. I Look, last night, I don't know, Steph, what time is it that I emailed you? I'm trying to find something good. I found that Cummins said something good about the semi-shortage. And I realized the moment I let loose that email, what that meant was, I don't know, Steph, like, find me something. Is there anything to hang my hat on? And Guys, Scott, I've got to tell you, yesterday the Dow looked good. So people said, oh, I got to buy the Dow. And that gave it up immediately. Yesterday, NASDAQ looked bad. I got to buy the NASDAQ. And that's now doing nothing. And I just find I don't have anything exciting. Nothing intrigues me. Uh, I just am. I'm not saying I'm bored because no market is ever boring to me. But, Scott, I just don't have anything compelling enough to say this is what you buy right here, right now. And I typically do. What if all you need Jim, just get all the noise out and all you need, according to J.P. Morgan's Marco Kalanovic, is a very smart guy who says the Delta wave is receding globally, which we haven't even talked about 18 minutes in. Stay pro risk. That remains the most important story beginning, middle, end, and that's all you need. So let's not try and look so hard for something that we don't need. Well, but, yeah, but 
look, school just started. So what happens if we see a spike? Uh, we, what happens if we see a spike from all the stadiums that were filled this weekend? Uh, what happens if we see a spike because of the cold weather? I mean, I, I, look, I personally have I've stopped masking in a lot of places. I got to go to an Eagles game this weekend, though, and I'm thinking, I don't know, is the risk not risk? You've been, in, uh, you've been with my buddy, Scott. I mean, emailing my friend Tom for the game. I just only I usually don't want to go anecdotal, but have we asked people to be vaccinated? We, I find things are so uncertain that I sit here and I say to myself, Mr. Market Rebellion, I want to rebel against this market because I just want to take a month off. Do you think that that's wrong? Pete, I mean, season seasonally, maybe, you know, Jim's on to something, right? Right. Pete. I mean, yeah, why not take a little time off? I mean, is it really that important? I feel it's like the, you know, someone said to me the other day, can you believe how bad the Packers look? And I'm like, no, come on. Will you give them some time? I feel like we got to give this market some time. That's a side. I just don't think there's yeah. anything that says, I've got to tell you, I can't wait to come out here and say, you know what we got to do? We got to buy Goldman on Steve Schur resigning from, oh no, that's bad. You know how upside down <laughs> things are, though, Pete, when Aaron Rodgers is just throwing the ball up for grabs. And it's getting picked left and right. <laughs> You're right. Uh, that's a sign of something. I don't know what, but it's not good. Right. Now, what about what Jim yep. says, Pete? Yep. Yeah. I, I, well, I think Jim Jim's, uh, makes a lot of great points. I mean, the, the reality is, you know, in week one, you don't want to overjudge things. When you're looking at the market, I don't know that we want to over, you know, look at things in, in any kind of a way like this is entirely what's going to happen the rest of the year. But I think September, and Steph has brought it up as well, September tends to be a different time, a little bit more volatile, and it leads into October, which we all know about some of the history of October as well. But uh, I'm, I'm a market guy just like you are, Jim, so I'm in the markets each and every day, uh, obviously trying to trade through, uh, through them. Some of it is going to be investments, but a lot more on the trade side, especially because of the fact that volatility has had a really difficult time staying and, and being anywhere close to 20 or above. And here we are even today on this move that's really interesting. Again, this sell-off, and yet the volatility index, it started to peak up there towards 20, and then it's pulled right back down to the 19. So it's, that's, I think, the big portion of what we're seeing right now is what, what are the markets? How are we going to try to uh, uh, try to trade within these markets? I still think there's a healthiness about these markets, this rotation. Now, you guys were talking about rotations in a different way, but the leadership being a little bit different each and every day, I think, is very healthy for the markets. And that's why it gives me the opportunity to still be in a, a lot of different energy names, material names, mm-hmm. financial names, and as well, technology names, because we are seeing this kind of rolling move that I think has been very healthy of late. Let's do this. Kramer, I want you to stay with me. I want you to stay with me. Hold hold on, Steph. Um, I want to bring in another Philly guy, if I could. Uh, Wharton professor Jeremy Siegel. (laughs) He joins us now. We're always pleased to have him, especially with Kramer uh, here as well. Professor, welcome back. Uh, Thanks for having me. And I want to tell Jim that I'm going to be at that Eagles game this um, uh, this, uh, Sunday, uh, Delta or not. (laughs) There you go. There you go. That's the kind of conviction I lack for this market. But I do love to see you there. And you have been a great friend of the city, great friend of my late dad. And it's good to see you. Do do you. Thank you. Do you, Professor, have as much conviction about this bull market as you do your Eagles? (laughs) Well, this this is a a building year for the Eagles. (laughs) If we have a winning season, that's considered a a success for us this year. I mean, I think the the stock market's going to have a winning season. Uh, You know, uh, as as Jim has said, this is a challenging time of the year. 
I mean, I think as one of your um, uh, people on the show had said uh, that the inflation news, uh, the report way underestimates what inflation we're going to see down the line. I mean, housing, they say, is up 3% year over year. Now, we know all the indices of housing are up 15 to 20%. They say rent is up 2% a year. I just checked nationwide rent. They're up 9 to 12% this year. It's the way the Bureau of Labor Statistics collects that, those data. Very lag. This is going to get into the data later on. But in the meantime, you know, Powell can say, you see, I'm right. It's temporary. No reason to rush a tapering. I think that's the, certainly we saw that initial bullish uh, move. As a result, I'm a little bit surprised that it uh, it faded, although, you know, with a lower interest rates, we do have tech outperforming, certainly, uh, the cyclical stocks uh, so far today. Well, what's the message, though? What's the message in that, why it faded and, and your inability to understand well, I think, why it did? What does it say? I, mean, I, I, I think, <laughs> what have we gone, 250 days without a 5% correction? It, it says this, this move is a little long in the tooth that, and uh, like like Jim said, what is there now, you know, to really make it surge ahead? I, I do think if COVID peaks uh, uh, and we get that data coming in, um, and I do think the Fed is going to tee up the taper um, so that the re- rates are going to rise toward the end of the year, we will see a rotation. Um, and tech is going to take the breather and those cyclical stocks that have been hammered and those, uh, you know, small cap stocks that have been hammered could come back as a result. But in, in the meantime, what we see is that the Fed doesn't have to panic. And that's the biggest thing the more market worries about further ahead, that the Fed suddenly say, oh, my God, inflation totally under out of control. Slam on the brakes. OK, so, so, uh, so that day of reckoning is put off, certainly. With the, with the news uh, that we get today. Okay, Jim. So d- day of reckoning put off by the Fed. Delta is, you know, subsiding in some respects, enough that you and the professor are going to cheer on your eagles with 50 or 60,000 other people. I've just gave you two reasons to feel better about things, despite what the calendar says you should feel. Well, but I, I, I'm stuck within the four walls of trying to find a half dozen stocks that I really like. Uh, I just don't hear anyone saying, you know what, at this moment, right now, you absolutely have to buy the airlines. You have to buy the casinos. You must buy tech. You have to stick with some semis. I bet you I'm Steph not hearing has anybody six do names. that. I bet you Stephanie Link has half a dozen names right now that she says. No, she has she four likes. names. She only gave me four last That's night. That's what I was going to say. That was <laughs> that's what I was going to say. We're in a macro only uh, world right now for the month of September. So take advantage of the pullbacks. Twitter's down 14 percent. Active is down 11 percent. McDonald's is barely down, but a great story and lagged year to date. It's only down three. Estee Lauder, you love that company. Sure Keep do. an eye on that one. XPO, G- XPO, GXO. We love those names. So these are the ones you put on your list. Like you made me give okay. you lists every single day and levels. Touché, so those are Jim. the names I would take a look at. Touché. I, I have liked There's one, two, three, four, look, five, six is, right there. I, look, she named a bunch of stuff. I like them. But I go back to what Dr. Siegel said at the very beginning, which is that is there anything that is so compelling? And yes, it's great that the Fed isn't going to slam, you know, slam the brakes on. But what's not great is that 
Well, okay, so what do I buy then? I mean, I'm watching J.P. Morgan down, too, and I say to myself, that needs higher rates, but I don't know. I don't have anything. What, is Jamie Dimon going to come out tomorrow and say uh, things look better than expected? No. I need someone who's going to say things look better than expected. I don't have it. What about Microsoft? Target gets raised today. Oh, that was a nonsense. Morgan that was the Stanley. most. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. A dividend bail. A dividend. Bail. Will you give me a. I mean, come on. What was the news there? How about the Amazon? The, the Amazon interview we did had more than the Amazon. The uh, that Did you read that piece today? The up, you know, up, wow. We got same day coming plus 300 price target. I need something. Oh, yeah. Something 40s. that makes me say, you know what? This is the moment. Oh, I got something. This is the what, time. What about buybacks? What about buybacks? Aren't we going to get a lot of buybacks? Oh, tax the rich. Let me go get that dress. I mean, honestly. Me you think that's going to The happen. buybacks. To me, if someone's saying tax the buyback. <laughs> now, Joe but, is always talking about buybacks as being a, a stimulant to bull markets. Well, and that, aren't we at the phase of that right now, Joe? Well, not if they're going to put an excise tax on Thank it, you. On buybacks. I, Thank I, you. I, I, <laughs> I happen to agree. I, I think, okay, but you, Scott, you have to, I believe you are at a point, I'd love to hear what Dr. Siegel thinks about this. This has been a consumer economy. And I think it's clear from the, you know, distorted inflation figures today, there's a demand problem evident in the near term. The consumer has a ton of savings. They could spend from now until eternity, but they don't want to. They seem to have frugality recently. And now looking ahead, you have a potential government shutdown, as Degas has talked about. You have the uncertainty surrounding what tax policy is going to be. So where do I reside on ultimately when the consumer begins to revive that spending once again? This is a pause. I just don't know how long it's going to take for it to refresh. And I'll tell you this. The one place I would look would be the healthcare stocks, Big Farmer, Eli Lilly, AbV, that are all pulling back. Those are some of the areas, but I agree with Jim, they're limited. Professor? All right, limited. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, we haven't mentioned this, but, uh, you know, I'm looking at natural gas. It's at a seven-year high, and now natural gas is the major source of heating uh, for Americans. Uh, they may be shocked at their bills. I know Ida is part of this reason, but, um, you know, that that's another potential drag going forward. Uh, you know, those commodity prices, they did go down. Oil was down almost 20 percent top to bottom. Well, now it's almost back up and going up. So, you know, these these are some challenges going forward that, um, you know, that that Powell and company eventually are going to have to confront. You know what? I, I, I looked at a, a move from one of our committee members, uh, Jim, and. Degas, he sold Southwest Airlines, to your point, about yeah. nobody wanting to rush out and buy an airline or a casino, which is getting, they're getting slammed today, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But Degas, Delta variant, lower demand for travel. You sell Southwest? Is that A plus B equals C? I, I think Degas is right. Something's Scott, wrong with Southwest. Yes, right? Scott, Degas, Southwest is yes. not the Southwest yeah, behold, I, is it? Exactly. And, you know, ultimately, let's look at this. Uh, also, the Delta variant is impacting bookings. But let's look at the business travel. Business travel is down is about 40 percent of what it was in 2019. And then, as Dr. Siegel was talking about, is the increasing fuel prices. And so that's also impacting uh, Southwest in a very negative fashion. So we looked at Southwest. It wasn't uh, performing. And so we said that we will exit and look at other opportunities. All right, Professor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you leave us with, with this. We started out with football. 
I want you to leave us with baseball. Because you were with us before. You said, I think we're in the fourth inning. Then the next time, I think we're in the seventh inning. And now it sounds like you're really worried about inflation. Where are we now? What inning are we in? Well, I think we're the eighth inning before a correction. It is so hard, Scott, to to talk about the short run on the market. I don't predict that this bull market is over yet, though. Good. But we're in like the eight now. Well, we've got. That's okay. We're we're getting close to where we're going to have to get some of the slough out and reset and look forward. But, you know, it's very hard to pick a win. That's going to have no one knows. All right. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the game this weekend. I'm Thank sure you. you and Kramer will, will hook out there. Uh, we always appreciate talking to you, Professor. Thanks for sharing your time with us today. We'll see you soon. Kramer, can't thank, thank you enough for coming out. Thank uh, you. Uh, and and you. both teams can lose on Thursday, right? What? Yeah. No. No, no we're not going to. <laughs> what do what you got tonight, by the way? What's coming up tonight on Mad? Uh, you know what? We're doing that guest, Sharif Suki, oh, the go. guy who created the industry of export. Now he's at Tulurian before he was at Chenier. And then we're doing some charts about how that gas could just explode from here. Then the cash. Look, one of the greatest themes, maybe the only great theme right now is cybersecurity. That's not exactly a positive theme, though. Palo Alto. All right. Good stuff. Thank you for having me, guys. You're always welcome. Thanks for coming out. I mentioned casino stocks are sliding today. We're going to tell you why that is happening and whether you should buy the dip. You're going to hear from people who have skin in that game. And later, NFL player Brandon Copeland, he's going to join us to talk football, his new financial education initiative as well. Always love having him, too. We're back in two. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is your CNBC News update at this hour. Four former Minneapolis police officers, including Derek Chauvin, pleading not guilty on federal charges stemming from the death of George Floyd. The four men were indicted by a federal grand jury in May for allegedly depriving Floyd of his rights while acting under government authority. And tonight on the news with Shepard Smith, taking a look at one of the questions in the case. Will the officers be tried together or separately? A group of eight Senate Democrats unveiling a reworked voting rights bill after reaching a compromise with Senator Joe Manchin. The proposed legislation could be brought up for vote as early as next week. All 50 Democrats will need to be joined by 10 Republicans for the bill to move forward. 
And in France, about 200 healthcare workers protesting outside the health ministry in Paris. That's after French authorities said that starting Wednesday, health workers would need to provide proof of COVID vaccination or risk suspension from work. You're now up to date, Scott. I'll send it back to you. All right, Rahel, we appreciate it. Rahel Solomon, thank you. Let's get to Dom Chu now. He has a market flash on the casino names. And Dom, I'm looking squarely right now at Win on my fact set, and it is down 13.2%. So is Las Vegas Sands. I mean, they're the two worst performers by far, Scott. Those, the, the, the major casino operators, again, in the S&P today, selling off on several headlines related to the industry, specifically in Macau. On the one hand, first of all, you got new outbreaks of COVID in China, raising concerns that Macau could reinstate maybe stricter travel restrictions. It might slow some of the casino operators' recovery there. Analysts at Jefferies are noting that the daily revenue there has been steadily improving in Macau, but saying that the Fujian outbreak poses a near-term risk there to potential travel. Another Hendwood potentially increased supervision from the government with Macau officials also suggesting they could increase local ownership requirements for some of those gaming companies. Sands and Wynn, as you point out, the worst off at this hour, both tracking, by the way, for their biggest daily declines since March of last year, Scott. Wow. I'll send things back over to you. I appreciate that. Uh, the domino uh, piling on Wynn today and some of these other stocks big time. Um, which probably makes farmer Jim Labenthal feel not so good. Why? Because he bought the stock last week. He bought it last week. and is down 13.3% right now, which is why we summoned him to the phone to see what was up. Farmer Jim, Mr. All-In, are you with me? I am with you. I never shy away from this opportunity to defend a name. That's true. Not, not only are you defending it, I'm told you're buying more today. Exactly right. Exactly right. Look, investing comes with risk, okay? This is a risky position. Um, but buying it last week, if you think I wasn't aware that there could be some more Chinese regulation, you'd have to think I was in outer space the last three months with everything going on with Alibaba, Didi, etc. So this is not unexpected. I think, you know, what's also kind of disturbing today is the shutdown of the city of Jimen. may have mispronounced that. But, you know, when you look at wind, I want to say two things, Scott. One thing about Win, and then one thing about the big picture overall. When you look at Win, Macau is very nice, but 60% of the last six months EBITDA came from outside of Macau. And furthermore, they've got this Win Interactive business that Bill Foley, a great fintech entrepreneur, has invested in. That's where the growth is going to come from. So I don't think Las Vegas is shutting down. I don't think online gambling is shutting down, and I don't think Macau is shutting down. These risks are ones that you have to accept if you're going to buy a stock that has the potential to return 30% in six months. Let me get to the big picture, too, and then I know you want to you ask some questions. The conversation you all were just having is fabulous. There is an almost daily back and forth between reopening versus defensive. It's almost daily now. Yesterday was a reopening day. That has to resolve itself in one direction or the other. I am firmly in the camp that we as a globe and as a nation will get through the Delta surge. I am firmly in the camp that the global economy is not going to go into shutdown, uh, that there will be gaming across the globe. And a stock like Wynn, which I bought a week ago and which I bought today, down last week 25% from the all-time high, now down 35% at the all-time high, has the worst case priced into it that is highly unlikely to come. Interesting. Um, let's bring Stephanie Link in because she, too, owns Wynn. Steph, what about mm -hmm. Jim's move? Yep. What about the case that he just made? Do you share that belief? 100%. 
and I will be buying more um, when I can. I'm restricted right now. But 70% of their business is Macau. And I bought Wynn because I think Macau eventually will recover. Last quarter, now I know it's last quarter, but just hear me out. EBITDA rose 54% in Macau sequentially. Revenues grew 9% sequentially. They cut costs by 24%. They're doing what they can until you see Macau recover. In the meantime, Las Vegas and Boston are 30% of revenue. Online ga- gaming is still so small, but it's a $45 billion market, total addressable market, and they have a 58% SPAC share. So there's a lot of ways this company can win. You have to stay, no pun intended, but you have to stay uh, patient. And in the meantime, what saved them last quarter, and they did beat last quarter, by the way, was Las Vegas, was Boston, was cost-cutting. And they're going to continue to do that until Macau recovers. Mm -hmm. The stock trades at nine times EV to EBITDA, and it has (laughs) $3.9 billion in liquidity. Perfectly fine. So I'm willing to stay patient. I will be buying more when I can. And I think this move today is absurd. Well, okay. Well, okay then. Farmer Jim, mm. you got yeah, a wing, me, you got a, I'd say you got a wingman, you got a wing lady with you. She, um, and, she's right and with what you. what a wing lady. What a wing lady. I should just uh, clear up a discrepancy <laughs> the viewers will note. I said that 60% of the first six months of this year, EBITDA came from outside of Macau. Uh, Stephanie said 70% of EBITDA came from Macau. I'm pretty sure Stephanie meant pre-pandemic numbers. I'm pretty sure you meant that, Steph. Um, but, yeah. you know, again, yeah. if you... Yeah. If you want to invest in these risky reopening stocks, and I do, okay, take a look at Transocean, take a look at Wynn, you have to be prepared for air pockets like this. You just have to suck it up. The reward is there on the other side, but reward does not come without taking risk. All right. We'll see what Scott. happens. What's that? Who is that? It's Degas? Scott. It's Joe. Oh, Joe. Co- That's J- nope, it's Joe. Yeah. Real so quick. I, real quick. I, I, I gotta go. got to go. Real the- quick. All right. Well, I don't care if it's Macau or Las Vegas. These are dinosaurs in the desert. I share Jim's optimism on the reopening. But I don't like casinos right here because you've got generations coming that they don't want to gamble in a casino. Gen Z and millennials, they're not going there. Older generations are where the customer base was. And unfortunately, that's going to die out. Take that, Farmer Jim. This is a trade. And, and, um, this if is I a can trade. ask something, Wait. if I can, <laughs> I gotta go. I do. I gotta go. They're gonna kill me. Jim, thank you. <laughs> All right. Th- straight, take care. Straight ahead, Brandon Copeland. He is with us. The NFL player, member of CNBC's Financial Wellness Council, joins us next. He talks his new education initiative. We'll talk some ball as well. Oil giant Chevron announced it would invest at least $127 million in biofuel maker Jibo to build facilities producing sustainable jet fuel, up to 150 million gallons of it per year. Commercial flights account for 11% of transport-related emissions, and the Biden administration wants to reduce that output by one-fifth by 2030. That's your ESG Fast Fact of the Day. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. 
Edward Jones, member SIPC. The NFL season kicked off last week, and our next guest just re-signed with the Atlanta Falcons as of yesterday. He's also an advisor to a new online education platform, Emil, where he teaches a virtual class on financial literacy geared towards high school students. Brandon Copeland is a linebacker with the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons. He is also a member of CNBC's Financial Wellness Council, and he is back with us. I'm glad to see the Falcons realize they need a good man on defense. I'm glad you're back. (laughs) I'm glad they glad they realized it, too. Now, I'm I'm excited to be back, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. And it's good to see you as always. And I want to hear about this Emil program, which you just announced this new platform for students. Yeah, yeah. I'm super excited about it, man. It's, uh, you know, obviously I've I've been big on education and trying to find ways to teach people and and meet people where they are. Um, And, you know, we found uh, Emil and and the co-founders. We've been working hard to try to make sure that Students can get high quality, high produced lectures and, and, and courses in a way that they're used to, the Netflix style format. But ultimately, most importantly, students can actually get credit for it. So now you can sign up online, take AP courses, financial literacy courses, a bunch of different courses, and also get real class credit for it that you can use in high school or potentially apply towards college via AP credits. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I mean, the idea, a little bit of money goes an awfully long way. That's $10 a month. Uh, As you said, unlimited access to over 20 AP core and experiential classes with the option to earn high school credit. Um, That's pretty cool that you can have unlimited access to all that, $10 a month. And as you know, you have to start early. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like you said, it's... it's, um, it's it's outstanding. You know, when when I started on this education journey, it wasn't necessarily because I wanted to become a professor, but I wanted to to democratize the barriers to information, like give everyone access to it. And so for those kids in neighborhoods where you can't necessarily get an AP course or for those parents who want their students to be getting a little extra help on certain courses, uh, now you literally have an easy way to do it all for uh, less than the cost of Netflix. I still love your financial rule number one. My money needs to be working for me at all times. That speaks. I mean, it doesn't matter what what you're doing, whether you're a professional football player, whether you're in public or private uh, service or business uh, or you're an investor in the stock market. Yeah, no, 100 percent. I mean, if anything, this past year has taught us. But then also, I mean, me recently, my life recently, I was fired, you know, a little over 24 hours ago and unemployed. So um, ultimately, you know, my motto has always been we have to find a way for my family and I to eat and our community to continue to eat regardless. And the only way I know how to do that is by making sure that my money is my employee. And I just want to make sure that students and kids around the country understand that as well, because it's not something that we necessarily talk about freely in schools, in the classroom. Glad you're back. Uh, get after it this weekend. I know you will. And we'll talk to you again soon. Always a pleasure to see you, Scott. All right. Take Brandon care. Copeland. Joining us there for more, go to uh, CNBC.com forward slash invest in you. That is CNBC.com forward slash invest in you. And one last thing we should note that NBC Universal and Comcast Ventures are investors in Acorns. 
We're back with Pete's unusual activity and final trades next. All right, Pete, the clock is winding down. We got a Hail Mary here. What's your unusual activity? All right. Well, what hit the all-time high today during the show was the SMH. So that gives you a little idea. AMD is the stock that I'm talking about today. Stock was trading around 105.50 today, Scott. This goes back, by the way, into July. It was 92 bucks. It ran all the way up to 120 with huge call buying. Well, we got those big call buyers back. 10,000 of the September 24th expiring 106 calls. They were buying, for, buying these calls for about $2. Huge buyers there. I'm expecting to see this stock make a nice move to the upside with that SMH as that continues to travel even higher. So next, I've got Marathon, Patrol, uh, Marathon Oil, rather, MRO. Now this one, we've got some huge buying in as well. Almost 4,000 of the September 11 and a half calls were bought there. They were going for about 40 cents. Energy, energy, energy hits every single day, and it's relentless, and these continue to move to the upside slowly. But I'll tell you what, it's been a very, very solid move to the upside. My final trade for you, Ford. Letter F. Oh, all right. Good stuff. Thank you for that. Degas, final trade. Yep. Renaissance Center, millennials starting households and a 2% dividend yield. All right. The Linkster. Cisco, they have an investor day tomorrow, expected to be very upbeat. This is an enterprise recovery story, good product and infrastructure order momentum. All right. And the man's so important, they named an ETF after him. Joe T. <laughs> A uh, little update on my Netflix position. I'm staying with it. It reached a high of 615 on September 8th. It's pulled back right now to where I bought it. I'm not adding to the position. Okay. I'm staying with it, and I'll identify a stop loss below. Apple, seconds away. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.